pull this thing out. I feel like I'm neck problem. Uh, what a blessing. This is Christmas time and he is the gift. And can't ever tell people that too much because we need the gift. Um, just a couple of quick announcements that wasn't uh, didn't make it to the bulletin. If you're interested in Secret Sisters next year, see Cindy Gray. I heard they had a great time yesterday. It was a blessing. Um, and the youth have some dessert recipes that are mixed together in the kitchen area. It really looks great back there. I encourage you to check that out. And a Christmas party next Saturday at the Jones at 6 p.m. with a Grinch-themed. And also, we have three slots left for those who may be interested in the prayer ministry. We're starting the first of the year where quarterly, um, be back there in the prayer room, and we're going to have some helps back there to support in prayer for what goes on here. And it's really a good Sunday to mention that because this message is on spiritual warfare as we're in Daniel chapter 10. And sometimes we think all there is is what we see, and it's not. The Bible says we live by faith, not by sight. That which the five senses, you know, the eyes and the ears and the nose and, and, and touch and you know, all, the, all that stuff, it, it, it's not all there is, guys. And we're going to look at that. Uh, turn me to Daniel chapter 10 this morning. And I'll read the first 11 verses. And actually through the rest of the chapter, we're going to look at some principles that occur in spiritual warfare and the priority of prayer. As we open up this chapter and we find Daniel in a state of fervent prayer. Have you ever been at that point where you were broken and you needed to hear from God? That's where we find Daniel. He's in his 80s at this time. and Been a faithful prayer warrior in the heart of battle in the kingdom and the political realm. But more than anything, we find him on his knees quite a bit. Uh, turn me Daniel 10. I'm going to ask when you find that to stand our God's honor. I, I want to read aloud those first 11 verses. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel, who was called Belshazzar. Its message was true, and it concerned a great war. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. At that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat or wine, touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris, I looked up and there before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of the finest gold around his waist. His body was like chrysolite, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude. I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. The men with me did not see it, but such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves so I was left alone, gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left. My face turned deathly pale, and I was helpless. Then I heard him speaking, and as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep, my face to the ground. A hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you and stand up, for I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. Let's pray. Father, we come trembling 
Um, I think of your word in Isaiah 66, verse 2, where you say, this is the one I esteem. He who is humble in heart, humble and contrite in heart and trembles at my word. Father, there there should be a, a natural trembling when we think of you and we think of ourselves. Father, as we think of this issue of spiritual warfare, Father, thank you for what is revealed to us in the life of Daniel. And Father, I pray you teach us through your word. Father, I pray you do what we cannot and that the Holy Spirit would just teach us. We need you and we love you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. When I was in college... At 11 o'clock every night, my roommate and I would look at our huge, I don't know, 12-inch TV screen. I had one of those little black and white uh, TVs. And in those days, and you know, this is what's scary. I guess I'm getting sold. I don't know how old I am. But, you know, it was UHF and VHF. I thought, when did, you know, now we got the digital signal. This is back when they had the analog signal. And we had to go in the little UHF dial. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. And click and and find that station. And at 11 o'clock at night... We would journey into the realm of the unknown and watch the Twilight Zone. Oh, you do! I'm not the only one who watched the Twilight Zone. And the Twilight Zone, it was weird. And it's still weird. There were things that they would look at and say, you know, what if this is really what's going on? And you're asleep or you just don't see it. And yeah, there is a lot that goes on that we just don't firmly understand because it's in a realm that's beyond our understanding. And as we look at this section of Scripture, we enter into a a place and we catch just a glimpse of a battle that's constantly going on around us that often we are unaware of. And I want to start as far as Scripture-wise back in Ephesians chapter 6 and that famous section of Scripture that... um, we know is uh, putting on your spiritual armor, spiritual battle. And look at just a couple of verses here. I'm not going to go through the whole section of armor of God, but first couple of verses starting at verse 10. He's given early counsel about submit yourselves in your relationships. Be godly men, godly women. Be godly parents and And then he comes down here in in verse 10. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. He he makes the premise here where he says, you know, it's not enough for you guys just to get it together and to be tough and strong, powerful, wonderful Christians. You need God's power flowing through your life. So he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Then... Notice in the very next verse, he says, put on the full armor of God. And and he goes on later to describe that. Why? So that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. The devil's a smart rascal. If you think, if I think that we can tackle the devil and put him out of business by ourselves... We're in big trouble. He's been watching mankind for all of time. 
Think about this. He's been watching you for years and years and years. He knows your weaknesses. He knows the kind of stuff that looks so good to you. It's like, oh man, if I could just touch that or just, just, you know, just a drop of that. Wow. He knows that. He, he knows those areas and he's just looking for just a weak spot, just, just a crack in the armor where, where he can a- attack you and, and watch you fall because what brings him more joy than anything is to see people separate from God and the blessings that God wants them to have. Um, and he's got schemes. He's got a plan. He's got strategy. The word literally means strategies. He, he's got strategies that he uses. And notice in the next verse, he says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Wow. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything, to stand. The strength to make a stand comes from God. It, it comes from His power. And we catch just a, just a glimpse of that amazing power as, as we look through the text here. Uh, and we see evangelic battles yeah, there are angels. Have I personally ever seen an angel? I don't know. Not sure. I do think when I was a teenager, as it is with many teenage boys, that my guardian angel got tired trying to take care of me and keep me out of trouble. And so, and I'm not alone. I have a feeling some of y'all had some tired angels too. They probably said, Master, I need a day off. This guy's trouble. I remember one night... Um, I was coming home about 1 o'clock in the morning from a friend of mine's, uh, Wayne Walbart's house. And I was coming down a road in my hometown called Canuga Road. I wasn't speeding. I was being a good boy. But a car came around the corner going way, way, way too fast in my lane. And I remember thinking, well, this is it. I mean, what else are you going to do? And at the last possible second, the car just made it over in his lane. Life was good. God wanted me here a few more years. And you know, you think about that. And you think, now how did that happen? Man, you know, was there an angel going, pushing that car? Get over in the right lane here. It's not time for God to go into eternity. God's at work. Uh, I think of Psalm 91, verse 1. And of course, a prophecy of Christ. But it makes us think about angels and guardian angels. And it says, for he orders his angels to protect you, to watch you wherever you go. There are angels. And as you look through the scripture, you, you see that they have different tasks and, and jobs as, as, as their messengers and, and, and bringing God's message and, and doing his work. And as you look at, as you look at spiritual warfare uh, in the culture and the world system, just look at some of these horror movies. Man, we're just victims. You know, and you always wonder in these horror movies, why is the teenage girl running around by herself, outside in the dark, knowing there's some killer out there? I just don't get it. But in the Scriptures, God's children, we're not the victims. There is given to us God's strength. There's given to us God's heart in the midst of this, this spiritual 
battle. And uh, as we come into the scripture here, here's Daniel. He's in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia. And this message is revealed to him of a, a coming great war. And what a message. Daniel's trying to figure it out and he's perplexed and he's he's broken. And, and I want you to, to see how how difficult this is for Daniel. Verse 2, it says, he mourned for three weeks. This went on for three weeks. What happened in that three weeks? How great was the burden? Well, I ate no choice food. That doesn't mean he didn't eat any food. But it meant that stuff that, man, that's so good. You know, I could just sit there and buffet that for about three hours. None of that. No choice food, no meat or wine. He said, touch my lips. I used no lotions at all till the three weeks were over. What'd that mean? The rascal didn't take a bath for three weeks. No wonder he's alone. No. But the issue was, he was burdened. No choice foods, no baths. He, he was alone and he was broken and he was praying. He was seeking God's face in prayer. It says on the 24th day of that first month, as he was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris, this this large river, he looked up and what did he see? Look, Look at this close, what he saw. Before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of the finest gold around his waist. His body like chrysolite, face like lightning, eyes like flaming torches, Arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze. His voice like the sound of a multitude. And and as we see, as we go on the scripture here, Daniel wasn't alone, although he's the only one who saw a certain vision. As we see in the next verse, verse 7, he says, I was the only one who saw the vision. (laughs) The men with me did not see it, but such terror overwhelmed them, they fled and hid themselves. I don't think we're ever ready to catch a clear Vision or sight of God. You know, we have him pictured as a cosmic companion. You know, he's the pie in the sky. He's the buddy. But God in the scriptures, guys, he is holy. And and through Jesus Christ, the, the veil has been torn and, and, and we're able to enter into his presence. But it doesn't mean that he's just like one of us, only a little better. He's God. He's almighty. And men, they were terrified as they saw this one who came for God. They they were terrified. And and what what does that say? I I think you're never ready to really enter directly into the presence of God. It it humbles you. It breaks you. It it brings you to a place upon your knees or prostrate on your face before a holy God. Because it's just such an amazing place to be. He says, I was left alone and he's gazing at the vision. It had wiped his strength out. He said, I had no strength. Look what it says. His face turned deathly pale. He was white as a ghost, white as a sheet, as we say. And he found himself helpless. He says, I, as I heard him speaking, I listened to him. And, and it was just so much it knocked him cold, knocked him asleep. A deep sleep with his face to the ground. He was at a place where he, that was it. He was wiped out. And then he felt the touch. And I think of that poem, that we have that song to the touch of the master's hand. A hand touched me 
and set me trembling on my hands and knees, and he spoke. What did he say, Daniel? You're a sinner. Daniel, you're just an evil rascal. Why did I even listen to you? You disappoint me over and over. That's not how the Heavenly Father speaks. Look what he says, verse 11. Daniel, you who are highly esteemed. What's he say? You're my child, Daniel. You matter to me. You're precious. You're a value. That's true for all God's children. You're a value. We all are. Consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you. Don't take this lightly, Daniel. You need to listen. And then he says what? He says, stand up. He's brought to his knees as he sees the glory of God, as he sees how weak he is and how awesome and great and powerful God is. He doesn't get up on his own strength, but after the touch, he's told to arise. Now, you know, there's a lot of power in that, isn't there? We have a mission. We're called not just to be here. We're called to be His. But we can't go until we've been with Him. Until we have spent time in His presence and, 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 and been strengthened. And, and then we're ready to arise and to go. And that's what happens here. So He stood up trembling. Now, that being said... I. I want to spend some time here looking at principles of spiritual warfare in the verses that follow. First principle here, when a believer prays, it's immediately heard by God. Look at verse 12. Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to thee. Not like some of these. Don't you just hate these answering systems? Press one, press two, press three, press four. I forget how many numbers there are, and then hit menu to hear it again. And I think it was Jeff Nestor told me all he does is just keep hitting zero till somebody says that guy's crazy. We better get a real person on the phone to talk. Anyway, oh, God's not like that. God doesn't put us on hold. God doesn't have some long list of, you've got to remember what to say. God hears. And at the moment Daniel poured out his heart to the living God, he heard. And, and this messenger of God made that clear before him. And this went on for 21 days, though. So although he heard, well, what was the problem? Why did it take 21 days? Well, We learn that as we go on in the scripture here. He said, um, the prince of this Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now, it's interesting here as as we look in verse 1 and we see Cyrus, king of Persia. It's a different word for king that is used here in verse 13 for this prince of Persia. Speaking of one who has control, one who has authority, one who is an overseer. But this is not Cyrus. And what appears to be the case here is that whereas there is a kingdom that can be seen, where there's a king over Persia, There's also a spiritual kingdom that's not beheld just with the eyes. 
and that there is this leader of the king who is in charge of Persia, who is an angelic warrior. And you know, that, that brings some thought as we think about this, a possible hierarchy. And he, he couldn't get through, and, and there was dispatched somebody to come in there and set things straight. Man, I love those heroes. Don't you just love it? Michael with a flaming sword. We're going to take care of this, buddy. You know, send him in, Lord. Here comes Calvary. I love that stuff. Okay, anyway, let me get back to this. What a thought. If there's a hierarchy, is there an angel, a demon? <laughs> because you know, people say, well, you're just a little angel. Yeah, I tell them, well, you know, the devil is an angel too. So maybe it's not good to be a little angel. Okay, enough of that. But the point is, there is this angelic, bad angel, demon. Is there one, if there's one for Persia? Is there one for the United States? And if there's a hierarchy, is there one for Virginia? Is there one for Bristol? Wow. Is there one who's dispatched here to Bristol, who watches the people and looks for ways to keep them from God? Who looks for ways to separate them from God's heart, His blessings, and from the gospel, and from those who have come to Christ, but He doesn't want them to walk with a living God. That's a, a picture here. And what a thought about what could occur. What could occur? Uh, next here, we learn that wrestling is exhausting work. It's just exhausting. Look what he says here. Um, this messenger of God, this angel, tells him, I've come to explain to your people in the future for the visions concerned a time yet to come. Verse 15, he says, While he was saying this to me, I bowed with my face toward the ground and was speechless. He didn't know what to say. He didn't know what to do. He ended up with his face bowed to the ground because he was desperate. And prayer... Hard work. I always think of Oswald Chambers' quote where he says, prayer doesn't prepare you for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. Real prayer is tough stuff. You get on your face before God and, and you have your, well, what you'd like to see. I always say I give God my opinion. Often I'm not sure he cares about my opinion, but I throw it out there. Oh, Lord, if you do it this way, I'd appreciate it, Lord. But it's hard work. Now, I'm not the only one here who's had burdens that keep you up at night, that worry you. You're not supposed to worry. I know, I know. Problem is, I do it. And you pray, and you say, God, I need an answer. Maybe you've been praying for a couple of days. Maybe it's three weeks like Daniel. Maybe three years. Maybe... Three decades. Longing to see God do this work. And for whatever reason. Didn't seem it. Could it be there's this spiritual battle going on in the background. That's that's preventing the, the answer from, from coming in the timetable you would like. I, I don't know. Maybe. Could, could it be that for whatever reason. It's just not God's timetable at that moment. Um, it's just tough work as you get on your knees. As, as you seek God. And you try to get that answer from him. Thank God, thank Him that He does supply strength through the, through the battle. And look at that, that's in the next part here, the strength that He does provide. 
Um, he goes on. He says, the one who looked like a man touched my lips and opened my mouth and began to speak. Once again, <laughs> the touch of, of the angel, the touch of, of God's messenger. And he said, then I began to speak. I said to the one standing before me, I'm overcome with anguish because of the vision. My Lord, I'm helpless. How can I, your servant, talk with you, my Lord? My strength is gone. I can hardly breathe. Again, the one who looked like a man touched me and gave me strength. Do not be afraid, O man highly esteemed, he said. Peace, be strong now, be strong. When he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Speak, my Lord, since you have given me strength. Daniel was provided strength. You know, it tells us in Hebrews 13, 1, Do not enter... He says, be careful that you don't take lightly entertaining strangers, for by so doing, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. It may be that God has strengthened you and you didn't even realize it was an angelic being he used. I remember uh, I was in high school and my first job was working at the Western Sizzling Steakhouse. I don't know if there's many of those around anymore or not, but that's where I worked. And I was a busboy. And I was cleaning tables. And I was um, trying to concentrate on cleaning tables, and I was uh, going over Scripture I had memorized. And, man, it was busy. And I was working as fast as I could, trying to go over verses in my mind. And all of a sudden, this guy hands me a note. And, you know, I stick it in my pocket and go on. And then when it came time where, you know, it kind of, uh, after a few minutes, I, I, I took a break, went to the bathroom, I pulled out that note. And the note said, be encouraged. I may not have this right. It's been a long time. God is watching you. I kept that note in my wallet for years until it literally fell apart. I, you know, I wish I'd have taped it or something so I'd still have it. But it provided strength and encouragement for so long to come. The rest of the story was, obviously, once I got out of the bathroom, I went looking for the guy and he was gone. So he could have just walked out and left, or I'll never know. But how many times has God provided strength? And we just don't know the source of it. Maybe it's his angel. In this case, it was for Daniel as he reached out and touched Daniel. Now, last one here. Overcoming demonic forces is not a once and for all matter. This is not something that just occurs once and forget about it. You know, you get your one-time shot with the spiritual realm. It is a continuing battle. Notice what he says here as he comes to the end of the chapter he says, do you know why I have come to you? Soon I'll return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go, the prince of Greece will come. First, I'll tell you what's written in the book of truth. No one supports me against them except Michael, your prince. And in the first year of Darien the Mede, I stood my ground to support and protect you. He said, I've got to go back to that battle. My time with you is over. There's more to do. We just don't see it. We just don't realize how powerful and important prayer is. Because what goes on around us is more than we know. As we think about this Christmas, as we think about the gift of Christ, 
It is the culmination of the power that is given to us for victory. That the cross and the resurrection proves that there's hope. And we're called to be those who pray. We're, we're called to be those who are engaged in the battle because the devil and his host of bad angels, they're out there and they're still doing their work. And we need God for the gospel as it goes out. We need people who are praying. We need people who are awake in the Lord, who are in his word and have that heart to, to share his truth. As I close, I want to turn to a section of scripture and just kind of march down through um, a section in Second Kings six, and, and we'll be done. What this is an awesome section of scripture, uh, st- starting at verse eight here in Second uh, Kings six. It says the king of Aram was at war with Israel. <laughs> After conferring with his officers, he said, "I'll set up my camp in such and such a place." The man of God sent word to the king of Israel. Beware of passing that place because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. So the king has this uh, spy who's, well, he's not going out and checking what the enemy's doing. He's listening to the one who sees it all. And he, he says, hey, you can't go to this place. Well, the enemy king, the king of Aram... He's really mad. Really mad. I'm sure nobody wanted to see him that day. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, Will you not tell me which is on the side of the king of Israel? Can you see them all shaking? I ain't going to talk to that king. He's going to chop my head off. Oh, no. None of us. None of us, my lord, the king. (laughs) It's Elisha the prophet in Israel. He's the one who's telling the king of Israel, Go find out where he is, the king ordered. I'll send men, I'll capture that troublemaker. And so they find out he's in Dothan. They send the horses, they send the chariots, they surround the city. <laughs> this is where it gets interesting. Verse 15. When the servant of the man of God got up, went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Now picture it surrounded the city with these enemy Enemy warriors. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Did you just see the guy saying, well, I love you, Elisha, but you're a nut. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, Oh, Lord, open his eyes so he may see. The Lord opened the servant's eyes. He looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. As the enemy came down toward him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike these people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. Elisha told them, this is not the road, this is not the city. Follow me and I will lead you to the man you're looking for. And he led them to Samaria. After they entered the city, Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men so they can see. Then the Lord opened their eyes and they looked. And there they were inside Samaria. When the king of Israel saw this, he asked Elisha, Shall I kill them, my father? Shall I kill them? Do not kill them, he answered. Would you kill men you have captured with your own sword or bow? Set food and water before them so that they may eat and drink and then go back to their master. So he prepared a great feast for them. And after they had finished eating and drinking, he sent them away and they returned to their master. 
So the bands from Aram stopped raiding Israel's territory. Boy, this is a whole sermon. I I know I don't need to get worked up again. But I just want to close. Did you see it? The servants admit we're surrounded by the enemy. What are we going to do? Elisha prayed and his eyes were open. And he saw that they were not alone. That God was with them. And, and you know what I think is so cool is I kept reading, you know, in the text. He struck them with the blindness. He could have just struck them down. Just zapped them and burned them up. But he struck them with the blindness and then he led them to another place. And the king said, you know, should I just go ahead and kill them, Elisha? And Elisha said, don't, don't do that. What do you do? We're going to feed them. We're not going to chop their heads off. We're going to give them food. Sound like Baptist. No, okay. So they, they had all this food. They had this feast. And then after that occurred, don't you just love it? It says, after they had finished eating and drinking, he sent them away and they returned to their master. And the raids stopped. You know, I thought that sounds a lot like the gospel. I was blind. Now I see. Before I couldn't even see what how I was trapped, how I was cornered. I couldn't, I couldn't see God was ready to set me free. And at some point, Jesus became real to me and, and entered my heart and, and changed my life. And, and the, the raids stopped because He started changing my heart. And he still got that call today. He, he wants to love us. He, he, he wants to open our eyes. He, he, he wants to give us victory. And there's a battle constantly going around us. But He wants us to have that armor of God. And He wants us to know His power. Do you? Let's pray. Lord, uh, thank You for Your Word. Father, as we think of Daniel and how he was so broken and how he prayed fervently. and Father, how You touched him. And Father, uh, we're not really different than that. We still miss you and miss what matters. And we need your touch and we need you to open our eyes. Father, maybe there's one here today that it's, it's time. It's time to say yes to Jesus and his forgiveness. And to have that new life, that new start. To stop these raids these little raids against Almighty God, like we're going to defeat God and to turn to you. And, and Father, I pray that if there be one in that place, that this be the day, this be the time, this be the moment where we say, God, I want to turn to you. Forgive me of my sin. Jesus, enter my heart. Make me new. This, what a great time for that. Or for the rest of us, for whatever reason, we... We've been fighting you, and it's time to stop. You have food ready. You have a feast. Quit fighting and start feasting. Jesus is here. So, Father, I pray that happen among us if needed. We just want to worship you this morning. I pray as we stand, as we sing, that we will respond as you speak. In Christ's name.